Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Amen. If you got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. going to read five verses here this morning. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Good King James English, whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. It's a lot of begats and begottens and whosoever's going on in just one little verse here, right? By this... We know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. And the church should say amen. Amen. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? of God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. I want to talk to us about a little bit of a different topic this morning. Anybody have a birthmark? A few hands going up, probably more than actually I expected. Um, My wife uh, and my daughter believe that there is a family birthmark that my wife says she has one on the base of her neck, and my daughter says she has one on the base of her neck, and then I think, I'm not sure, honey, how many, all the girls have the same birthmark on the base of their neck, and they all say that they're the stork. And uh, I'm a non-believer because I got over the stork about the fifth grade. So I'm not quite sure how that works. But I want to talk to us this morning about birthmarks. Now, you know this, and maybe you don't know some of this, But a birthmark is a physical mark that is congenital. It's generally benign. It's generally a benign irregularity on the skin, which is present, figure this, at birth. It appears shortly after birth sometimes, usually within the first month. But birthmarks, make no mistake, are abnormalities of the skin that are present when a baby is born. Now, medical science tells us that there are two types of birthmarks. The first one is vascular birthmarks that are made up of blood vessels that haven't or don't form correctly. The second one, where are my nurses at? I don't want to get corrected in here this morning. The, the second type of birthmark is pigmented. And those pigmented birthmarks are made of a cluster of pigment cells which cause color in skin. They can be many different colors from tan to brown, from gray to black, and even blue. Wouldn't you like to have a big blue birthmark right in the middle of your face, right? And so in case you were wondering, Moles can be considered birthmarks. Now, that group of who has a birthmark probably just grew exponentially, right? And so birthmarks can occur anywhere on the skin. Birthmarks are caused by an overgrowth of blood vessels, melisonites, smooth muscle, fat fibroblasts, and carotinocytes. Okay? That's a lot, right? Just because of a birthmark. Now, some birthmarks are significant and some are recognizable and some of those are not seen. But in our text this morning, the writer, John, is identifying for us three very specific marks that are referred to by commentators as birthmarks. And so for our purpose today, I'm going to call them spiritual birthmarks. And these are probably likely marks or birthmarks that every particular child of God should have. And so the difference between a spiritual birthmark and, and the, ones that, the ones that we're going to look at this morning and a natural birthmark that is found on the skin of a person is that while may, you may be born with the one, the other one has to be developed. So for clarity's sake, I, I, I do believe that you are born 
When you are born again of the water and of the spirit, the biblical salvation, I do believe that you are born with these attributes or these marks are a part of your birth. But the main difference is that they are not as noticeable as some of the more natural marks. And so John is writing to the church about new birth and our family relationships that we have in Jesus Christ. And how many of you would recognize a couple of basic statements? Every child is born into a family. Amen. Whether that's a complete family or a segmented family or however, most children are born into a family. That's right, Samuel. And every baby has certain specific physical characteristics of his or her parents. Now, the Roberts family didn't really have any distinguishing characteristics, but my mother's family, my wife and my daughter can attest to this, the Tate family, I, I think I come from English and Welsh and English and Welsh, the Roberts and the Tates, they had a significant feature, probably you could call it a birthmark, but um, the, it, we call it the Tate nose. Thank God I got something other than the Tate nose. Few of you, many years ago, got a chance to meet my mother, you would have recognized the Tate nose. They take that thing to the Olympics and they jump off of it as a ski jump. It is so significant. Uh, I love my mother and I love her sisters that are still living, but they have a significant mark in their lives. And I have woke up pretty much every morning for almost 55 years and said, God, thank you that I got something other than the Tate nose. So this morning, I want to talk about three specific marks of a believer. And the first mark of a believer, the first birthmark of a believer that John identifies for us in the second half of verse 1, he says, everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him that also is begotten of him. I can't even read that without kind of stammering, begat, begat, begat. And so the first birthmark is love. And so you're going, well, Brother Roberts, we all got love, right? We all got love. And so our love, right, for God is a mark upon our life. And so, the, it, the, but it, it goes, the, the scripture goes just a little bit further when he gets into this, everyone that loveth him, he's talking about God, that begat, he's the one who begat us or birthed us, right? Loveth him also that is begotten of him, that's everybody else, Right? And so it, what he's saying is if you're going to have the real mark of love, if you're going to have a birthmark of the spiritual man, there's going to be a mark of love on your life. Now, how many of you have been in church long enough to know that not everybody got that old-time religion? Give me that old-time religion, right? It makes me love everybody. Not everybody that goes to church got that religion. Now, let me go a step further because... Some days I don't have that old time religion. Some days I'm marked by something other than love. Hello? Can I get a witness? All of you that were helpful this morning, now, now, now you're like, oh, not me, I ain't doing that, bro. I, no, no, I, no, no. But, but that, that's really the truth. It is an utter impossibility for you to love God and to not love the people of God. It is a distinguishing mark of the New Testament church that we have love one for another. Now, a lot of people say that they love God, but according to the word of God, love for God is a defining point. And a true mark of a born-again believer is not necessarily how much they love God, but literally how much they love the people of God around them. It's, it's a hard point. Man, I, I love God, but the principle in Scripture is, how can a man say he loved God whom he can't see if he doesn't love his brother whom he can see? Now, Brother Roberts loves that principle, and I apply it everywhere I can because it is a definite principle of the Word of God, something that you can build upon. It's a precept. And so how can we say that we love God whom we can't see if I can't love my brother in Christ or my sister in Christ whom I can see? Now, now, you, you may not struggle with that. You may have every day, you just love everybody. You got the old time religion and you're just singing at him and you just never have a bad day and nobody ever does you wrong. Can I help you and say that this is not the church for you? You should find a more perfect church because the people here, they have flesh and they're going to upset you at some point. 
and the church better say amen, right? And so here's the point. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you tolerate one another. That's not what he said. He said, by this, right, shall all men know that you're my disciples if you don't kill each other. That, no, that's not what he said, Brother Trey. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Amen. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, that, that's kind of tough because the New Living Translation says it this way. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. The proof is in the pudding, Brother Steve, Right? And, 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 and sometimes it's, it's tougher than it sounds. But I believe this. I believe that a life that is filled with hate is a marked life. How many of you recognize you can talk to someone who's full of bitterness and full of anger and full of hate and full of all of that venom that spews out of humanity, and there is a definite mark in their life. But at the same time, I also believe, according to the Word of God, that a life that is filled with love, not just for God, but for a brother and a sister, also has a specific mark upon it. It is a, it is a definite point that we, as people of God, need to understand, because we know this above all things, our God is a God of love. Now, it seems like the whole world knows and understands this simple principle, but God doesn't just act or even react in love. He's not motivated by love. God literally is love. And so it's probably the single most defining trait of our almighty God that we serve. How do I know that? Because my Bible tells me, for God so loved the world that he gave. He, he loved the world so much that he was moved into, into action. And so this is what the Bible's telling us as believers, that we need to love one another the same way that Christ loved the world. And if it were easy, everybody would have that mark. Now, I I put a picture in my slideshow of Mikhail Gorbachev. How many of you recognized him? Yeah. Every time I saw a picture of that guy, Brother Bruce, growing up, I thought, how would I hate to walk around with a bald head and a big red mark on it my whole life? It, would, it distinguished him. It was, it was, you know, oh my goodness, look at this poor guy. I felt sorry for this evil man because he was marked so. But, you know, I, I, sometimes I think the world looks at the church and the church is saying one thing and doing another thing, and the world feels sorry for the church because they know in our heart we really want to love one another, but sometimes it's harder than it seems. Amen? Here's, so flip back in 1 John to the fourth chapter. Let's start reading. Keep your Bibles open there. We're going to start reading in verse 7. Before John gets to this point, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. Sounds simple enough, right? For love is of God. I think I've already said that. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God, right? He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Pretty simple, right? And so everyone that loveth is born of God. And so the quality and the quantity of our affection for God and for others is going to be the best gauge or the greatest mark upon your life. And so the same is true of this. The absence of love is an ignorance of God. If we don't love, if we don't have that love for one another, then if I can take the same principle that John used here, if I don't love my brother, then I really don't know God. Now that's going to challenge some of your theologies. I go to Living Hope Church. I clap my hands and sing apostolic songs. I dance in the spirit. I talk in tongues. Doesn't mean you love God. Doesn't mean the love of God lives inside of you right? Doesn't mean any of that stuff, right? And so you need to understand to truly know God will result in an impartation of his nature and his nature is love. And so verse nine, keep reading with me. In this was manifested. That's the mark. Tell your neighbor, that's the mark. When you manifest something, you show it or you demonstrate it to a certain degree, you reveal it. And so this mark that I believe is on every believer's life, the moment they're born again in the water and of the spirit, that love of God that floods your soul, it now is a mark upon your life. And so what you need to understand that there is a manifestation of the love. There's a showing God so loved the world that he did something about it. 
And so that same kind of love has to move over into the body of Christ, that I've got to love the body enough to do something about it. What, what does that mean? That means when I pray, I need to not be pr- selfish and just pray for myself. I need to pray for the body. I need to pray for the people of God. I need to pray. Why? Because I live in this self-centered world that is marked by this self-centered, right? They're, they're marked by that. You understand? The world is selfish. It's all about me. We'll just do this as long as we want to, and we'll move on to the next one. Why? Because love is all this, right? It's all this craziness that the world does. And so this true demonstration, this true revelation of the love of God is manifested. Why? Because God sent his only, his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And so what what is it that makes a birthmark a birthmark? What is it that makes the mark? It's that manifestation. It's that demonstration of the love of God that has been put, put upon our life. How many of you would say that the love of God has marked your life? It's left an impression upon you. It's left an indelible impression upon your life. Well, the the Bible's telling us this, that that mark that I have needs to be transferred from me to other people. It's not enough that God just loves me, Brother Bruce. I need to be able to make sure that I'm marking, that I'm having an impression on somebody else's life by the way that I love them. How many of you know it's easy to be a critic? It's much more difficult to be an uplifter. Right? Uh, it, it, really, it really is. It's, it, it's, it's difficult. How many of you find that it's just so easy, it just seems to be so natural to be a critic, but it's more difficult to be one that's an encourager? Well, Steve, I'm, um, I, I'm in therapy. Yeah, it happened. I, I, I was telling some folks this a, a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a couple months ago, I was standing up front here, and I realized that when I lift my hands, my right hand don't go as high as my left. And I'm like, oh. and so I, I, I had to go into therapy, and, and, and the therapist told me I have a frozen shoulder, and, and so she's, she's working on that, and, uh, and, and every night I'm doing my exercises, and Carmen's helping me do my exercises. It's, thank God there's not a video of that. It's really pretty pathetic, but some good folks need some therapy, because loving God is one thing. We, we would never doubt that no matter what happens, I'm not going to lose my love for God. But what about my love for my brother and sister? The thing that's going to mark my world is when I can demonstrate, when I can manifest. God so loved the world that he demonstrated, he manifested. And so what the call upon the church is, is to manifest or demonstrate that same love of God to the body of Christ. It's not always easy. It's really kind of difficult. Because it's a mark. And so what John is saying is if you truly know God, you're really walking with the Lord, then your love is going to make a mark upon your life and the lives that you come in contact with. So in the natural sense, a birthmark can be negative. A birthmark can be ugly or even embarrassing. Someone may want to hide it or sometimes they surgically get them removed. But this mark of God is intended to be visible. It's intended to be a distinguishing mark that is set upon you from, from, from birth upon every single child of God. Here's what John continues in verse 10. He says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What are you saying, John? John is saying this. Love is a choice. God chose to love us. He didn't have to, but I'm so glad that he did. How many of you agree that love is a choice? Bishop used to teach that all the time. So there's a, a research done by a couple of sociologists, one by W.F. Nimkoff and the other one was Arthur Wood. And they, they said that the intensity in a romantic relationship or in marriage diminishes by 80% during the first two years. 80% in two years. I'm like, that's kind of crazy. That, that seems like a, a huge letdown, right? You know? And, and I thought, okay, so wait a minute. When I first came into the church, everybody was an angel. I, I mean, those people had it together. You know, they didn't smoke. They didn't cuss. They didn't drink. They didn't get mad. They, I, I never saw any of that. Everybody was an angel except for me, and I was struggling. And so as time went on, I found out that those little devils, I mean, those little angels... We're going to the same church that I was. The story is told of two friends who lived in the West Virginia mountains and were talking one day. Horace, the first one, said, why didn't you ever get married? 
Horace said, well, I, I thought about it several times, but things just didn't work out. The first girl I wanted to marry was a pretty thing with red hair, but my mother didn't like the way she talked. My second girlfriend was a cute little blonde who sang a, in a hillbilly band, but when I brought her home to my mother, she didn't like her looks. Then I tried to find a girl that would please my mother, and I finally found a young lady down in Charleston who looked exactly like my mother. She talked like my mother, even walked like her. I was sure she'd be able to please my mother, but things went wrong again, so I gave up on the idea. What went wrong with the last time, his friend asked. Didn't your mother like her? Oh, yes, mother thought she was perfect, said Horace, but my dad couldn't stand the sight of her. That's just horrible, isn't it? I, I think it's true. I think it probably is, they've probably got some good things going on there. The true romance diminishes over those first years. Everything's rosy when we first come to the church, and then we begin to see the flaws and the cracks, and all of those little clay vessels and pots have, have got cracks in them, right? And so it really is, but the, the love is something that has to be cultivated. It's something that has to deliberately be given attention, or it's going to diminish. And so the same thing, if you're going to have a mark of love upon your life, it's something that you're going to have to work at. It's something that you're going to have to say, you know what, God, I refuse to even, lo even, even, even consider what my own eyes see or what my own ears hear, but I'm going to have a love like, how do you think Jesus Christ looks at you? Amen. How do you think the mercy of God looks at you? I remember the old time preachers talking about the eyes of blood. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see your fault. All he sees is the blood. All he sees is the, that perfect blood of the lamb that covers the multitude of sin. What are you saying, Brother Roberts? I'm saying if you're going to be marked, if you're going to have a birthmark of love, you've got to be able to look at the people of God through the eyes of God and through the love of God and through the mercy of God and say, all I see is the blood. All I see is goodness. All I see is mercy. All I see is grace. It will mark your life. It will distinguish who you are as a man or a woman of God. The first mark of the church is one of love. The second birthmark, well, some of you just aren't going to like this one. I said, Lord, can we find a different one because this one just, it's just, it's really not good. It's, 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 it's going to it's going to be bad. People are just going to look at me and say, man, you, you just can't do that, right? But here's what he said, the second birthmark in verse 3, by this we know, verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Commandments, commandments, commandments. Three times he says commandments. The second birthmark of the church is obedience. Your obedience to the Word of God will mark your life. Not popular, right? No, no. <clears throat> no, no. I, I, want the, I want my song to mark my life. I want my talent to mark my life. No, no, no. According to the Word of God, your obedience is going to leave a mark on your life. You see, a life that is marked by love is going to ultimately be marked by obedience. You, you can have a house full of children, and it'll be noisy and busy and even crazy, but you add in just one disobedient child. Come on, parents. One, ru one really unruly little monster, and he or she is going to stick out like a sore thumb. That's, that's how disobedience is. It, it will mark a life. I did not see that. Poor Brooke, I'm so sorry, Brooke. We're praying for your mother. Let's go back to the one of love. <laughs> you got to understand these two great birthmarks of love and obedience are connected. John ultimately connects them or ties them together when he uses the conjunction of when. He says when, what? when we love God and keep his commandments. How many of you recognize that in the scripture it doesn't say and, it says when. There's a conjunction. These two things are tied together. It's pretty simple. How do you show your love for God? By doing what he says. Man, you got to get a new song, Brother Roberts. You, you keep singing that. But you, you keep singing that. We know very, we know, we know we, that was simple, but it's also so difficult. You know, one of the most challenging things every child of God will do is live a life of obedience. By nature, we're rebellious. 
We, we don't want to be told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, because I know what's best for me. Be honest, right? It's really hard. And so why should anyone else, anyone else other than me dictate when or what or how I should do something? But even when we sincerely want to be obedient, we find ourselves struggling for success. Is anybody with me this morning? I'm talking about something that's going to mark your life. Now, you know the scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Us preachers use it all the time. And Samuel said, right? Hath the Lord as a great delight, hath the Lord as, as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. He says, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, or your obedience? What's more pleasing to the Lord? The fact that you come to church, the fact that you worship, the fact that you pay your tithes, or the fact that you obey the Word of God? He says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. Submission, isn't that two words, sub and mission, right? I've got a different mission. I'm, no, 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 that's not, that's not how submission works. It's not your mission, it's submission. If submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. And so the phrase obedience is better than sacrifice has perplexed a lot of good people. The law required Israel to, to offer sacrifices, but also those sacrifices were never intended to take place of their obedience. And so in the context of the scripture, Saul's inability to follow the, the, the commandment of the, of the man of God, even though he was king, marked him as a man of disobedience. I, I, I'm sure that you have your opinion of me and I have my opinion of you. And there are things about you that mark you. And you need to understand that. Your actions are going to mark you. People are going to look at you and, and they're going to watch what you do and it's going to leave a mark on, on your life. And so you need to understand that everything, right? He, listen, he, Samuel told Saul, you got to make sure that you get rid of it all. Obey. Kill everything. Kill the king, kill the sheep, kill the donkeys, kill the goats, kill it all. I, if, I, I don't care. Kill the squirrels, kill the chipmunks. Get the bunny rabbit. It don't matter. Get it all. I, and, and, and Saul said, you know, he began to reason this out. That don't make no sense. I mean, wouldn't this be better if we just sacrificed it to God? And that's how it works for our humanity. It's not that we just willfully say, I ain't doing that. Now, sometimes we're like that. But most of the time, our disobedience comes with our reason. We begin to reason this out. And we say, you know what? I, that's not really what God meant. That's not really what the man of God meant. That's not really. No, no. They're pretty plain about what they said. But we begin to reason in our mind. And you need to understand that when you begin to reason in your humanity and not obey the word of God, it will mark you as a person of disobedience. But if you and I can get to the place where we can simply just obey the word of God. It will put a mark on your life that you will not have to be ashamed of, that you will not, listen, it's a distinguishing mark. It's not, it's not something to be ashamed of. Oh, come on now, Saul. Those 10 commandments, they're, they're really just 10 great suggestions. They're really just 10 positive thoughts that will bring about spiritual energy into your situation. They're not really commandments. They're just and so we've got to be careful. And so what Samuel understood that Saul did not, that was a life of obedience will always leave a mark. Listen, you need to understand something. You cannot be saved without obedience. Paul told the church in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. And so here's the, here's the point. The point is you had to be obedient at some point to be saved. So what happens is, now that we're saved, we're like, well, I don't have to do that anymore. Check. I got that mark. No, no, no. The mark of obedience is a mark of birth of a child of God. And he ties together all of that great love, loving God and loving people. They don't mean a thing. They won't leave the right mark unless there's obedience. Unless there's obedience. Well, what do you mean? I mean, it's the simple things. Right? You see, the, the book of Acts records that many of the priests became obedient to the faith. What does that mean? It means they obeyed the word of God. 
It's really hard. We live in a society, and you need to recognize it. We need to recognize it. We live in a society where if somebody stood up, if pastor got up today and said, thus saith God, do not do this, half the church would go. Oh. Because it's our natural tendency to be skeptical. You recognize that. But here's what happens. Simple obedience will mark a life. It will put a mark on a life that nothing in this world can erase. You you need to understand that. Just as disobedience leaves a mark, obedience leaves a mark. And if I'm going to be known for something, I want to be known that I love the people of God, and I love the fellowship, and I love the household of faith. I want to be known for that. But I also want to be known that I obeyed the Word of God. I don't... I don't want to be known for being a critic and a skeptic. I don't want to be known for being disobedient. I don't want to be known for being rebellious. I want to be known as a man of God who had a birthmark of love and a birthmark of obedience. Jesus said it this way. If you love me, keep my commandments. What's your point, Brother Roberts? I'm telling you this. You can't stay saved without obedience. A lot of people talk the talk, but when the rubber meets the road, they can't truly walk the walk. Your obedience is not something that you do. Obedience is really who you are. Uh, that, that, that needs to be said again. Obedience is not something that you do. Obedience is really who you are. And it really is a defining point for you. It is really a mark upon your life. If you're obedient or not obedient, everybody knows it. Oh, they don't know. Oh, yeah, they do. People watch. People know. They understand, right? But here's what you need to understand. Jesus Christ was obedient. The Bible says this in Philippians 2 and 8, and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The the life that God puts within us, it makes obedience, and it's, it's the most difficult thing that you will ever do is just simply obey. Well, let me aggravate you. Wives, obey your husbands. See? Husbands, love your wives. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, right? Preaching to the choir this morning, but understand what I'm talking about, right? I would that men pray always, right? All the time? Right? Read your Bible, right? We we understand it's a command, right? And how hard is it to do? Because other things get in the way. And those things will begin to mark our life. And they become unseemly, unsightly, negative birthmarks. So when somebody sees you, you want to, hi, I'm Mikhail Gorbachev. How you doing? Well, hi, welcome to Living Hope. We want to see you. God bless you. Come on in. Oh, no, it's nothing. It's okay. I just got a little bump on my head. It's all right. No, no, it's okay. And, and if we're not careful, it becomes a pattern of life that holds us back. The third one, the third birthmark of a true child of God is found in verses 4 and 5. He says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh, put a finger in the air, the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, put another finger in the air, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? That's three for all you math wizards, right? Overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Three times in two verses, John uses the word that is translated as overcometh. The third principle or the third mark that is upon every life of a child of God is faith. I've got to be marked by love, Brother James. I I want to be marked by obedience, but I I need to be marked by faith. And so three times in two verses, John uses this word, overcome. It's the Greek word, nikeo. It's kind of like Nike, but not the same. And, And it means to conquer or to prevail. And so here's what John says, whatever, whatsoever, now that's a pretty big word that covers everything, whatsoever is born of God, has conquering power, has prevailing power, 
over the world. What, do you, what are you saying, John? John's saying that, that this, you need to understand something. As a child of God, when you're born, you should be marked by love. As a child of God, when you live and grow as a son or daughter of God, your life needs to be marked by obedience. But here's a really important part. He ties this together with this third one. This overcoming ability is faith. And he says, here's what faith will do. It gives you conquering power and prevailing power over the world. The thing that gives us that victory to prevail over the world that we live in is our faith. And it's being challenged like never before during our crisis, right? And so the world, how many of you Bible scholars know that the Greek word for world is cosmos, and it simply means an ordered system. And so there is a way that the world wants things to be done. Are you with me? That's a cosmos. It's a world system. I was telling somebody the other day, and they're all up in arms. Everybody's up in arms about all this election, all this junk. You need to understand something. Can I just, can I just share? Now, this is not the word of God. Put the tape off. I, this is my opinion. The world has to go the direction it's going. It's not even a personal thing or a private thing or a God thing. It has to go. We can't get to a new world order. We can't get to the end time in the world that we were in last year. Can't. We, it's got to go. It's got to go more liberal than I want it to be. It's got to get to the point because the Bible says in the end time, all that stuff has to happen the way God said. And so I'm not distraught about it. I'm not upset about it. I, I don't like it, but I understand what's going to happen, right? Now, I can be upset about it, mad about it, all that stuff. But here's what. If I'm going to prevail, if I'm going to conquer the world system that I got to live in, the only way I can do it is by faith. Now, if I'm going to have a life that's marked by love, it can't be marked by hate. And in our world today, this country is split down the middle. I love this and I hate that, and I hate this and I love that. And everybody hates something and loves something, right? And you can have your opinion, that's fine. But the same thing, you need to understand that if you hate something, it's going to mark you. But if that love of God is in your life, it will put a mark on you that is different than everybody else's mark. And you need to understand that just simply obeying the word of God in the good time and in the bad time will make a difference and it's going to mark your life. Well, here's the third mark. There's going to be three marks on your life if you're really born of God. And it is the faith to go through hell on earth, to live through something that you don't think is right. That's difficult. That's not easy. It's not, it's not something I ever thought that I would have to deal with because my life has pretty much gone the way I thought it would. Pretty good. good. God's taking good care of me. I'm, I'm good. Everything's fine, right? But here's the thing. Most days, I don't feel like I'm struggling against the world system. Most days, I feel like I'm struggling against my own attitude. Most days, I'm working on my pride. Most days, I'm just dealing with my own sense of right and wrong, Right? Am I the only one? I know I'm not. I'm looking at your heads going like Bible dolls, right? And so faith, like obedience, is demonstrated or shown at salvation or shown at conversion, but it doesn't stop there. Now, I, I think it's funny, and I, I forgive me, Lord, I, I even tried this one time because my wife told me, Did not on her, on one of Rachel's girls. They've all got this mark on the back of their neck. Rachel and Patrice, Jossie, Nora, and Carmen. I don't think we checked Ethan. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, they got this mark. I don't have the mark. And it's like a little stork. I don't know. I don't know if it's a stork or not. They said it's a stork. It looks like a red mark to me. But the girls are like, it's a stork. I'm like, okay, it's a stork. <laughs> but when they get mad... That little red mark that is buried at the base of the nap of their neck gets brighter. And somebody told me that. And one day one of them was crying, and I laid him over like that and lift that hair up. With... <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. But it was true. It was like, boom. Like, wow, check it out. The stork is flying. They're all upset, right? And so you need to understand that faith is this ability. 
And faith is something that you had to have to be born into the kingdom of God. But your faith was not just designed to be a, a mark on your life. It's not designed just to be this little, this little, oop, okay, got a little mark, you know. It's not a tattoo that you go down and get at the, at the bad ink place. It's not one of those things. It's something that's supposed to grow. It's supposed to, something that's supposed to be illuminated. It's supposed to be something that sets you apart from everybody else. And that's what makes it a birthmark of the kingdom of God. That birthmark in humanity, you can love it, you can hate it, but there should be a mark upon every believer in Jesus Christ. There should be a mark that sets you apart as a man or a woman of faith. It's not because you come to church. It's not because you lift your hands. It's because you live a life that is patterned, that is positioned, that is consistent in faith. Other lives, you know, some lives are marked by faith, but some, some lives, faith leaves a mark on them. Lives that are marked by faith are lived with that consistency. They're patterned in a, in a, in a consistent pattern of faith. And that, that doesn't mean everything right. Abraham is called the father of the faithful. He's a great man of faith. He was a giant of faith, and yet his life was not perfect, and neither was his faith. I'm not telling you you've got to have perfect faith. I'm talking about a pattern. I'm talking about, the, you know what? I'm going, to have, I'm going to have a bad day, and I'm going to fall, and my faith is going to fall apart, and it's not going to be what I think it ought to. But if I'm going to leave a mark on my world, it's got to be a one where I get up the next day and say, you know what? Today, I'm going to have faith that God's going to make this situation right. And I get up the next day, and it's still just like it is, and I'm going to say, you know what? Today, I'm going to have faith that God's going to make this situation right. And the next day, I'm going to get up and say, you know what, you see me see a pattern? I'm going to say, you know what, today, God, I'm going to believe that today is the day that you're going to change the situation. And the next day, I'm going to get up, and if it's just still the same, I'm going to say, you know what, today, God, I'm going to believe that today is the day that you're, and I'm going to get up the next day. I know, uh, I'm, I'm really getting wore out, I'm really getting tired, but I'm going, to have, I'm going to leave a mark somewhere, and I'm going to say, God, today is the day that you're going to make the change in my life. How many of you believe that Job understood that? Job, I'm just going to wait. What are you doing, Job? I'm just going to wait. What are you waiting on, Job? Waiting on my change to come. I'm waiting on my circumstance to change. Job, come on, man. That wife of his, Job, you should have slapped that woman a long time ago. Jesus, forgive him. That would have been hard not to hit that woman. Why don't you curse God and die? God, why'd you leave her? Could have left me, you know, something else. Leave me a donkey somewhere. It would have been better than that crazy woman. It would And we don't... But a life that is marked with faith has a pattern to it. it it's, it's, it's not that it's perfect. It's not that it's faultless. But it is a consistent pattern that continually moves and grows. And so I, I may not have enough faith for today, but I, I want to be like that father in, in Mark chapter 9 of that boy that kept throwing himself in the fire. And Jesus said, do you believe? And, and he said, yeah, I believe. And Jesus turned around and said, you know, if you believe, anything's possible. And the man cried out, I believe, but, but, but help my unbelief. I, I want to have that pattern, Brother Bush, like, like Mama Bush had when, when she faithfully would stand week after week after week and, and that same prayer request would come. Uh, just unselfish, you know, backsliders, lost souls, and new converts. It wasn't about her, Brother Steve. It wasn't because some of her family fell into every category. And she, you know what? She could fry some great chicken, but that's not what marked her life. What marked her life was she was a, a woman of faith and she believed in God. I, I want to be like Sister to Temple, that no matter where she's at in the auditorium on a Wednesday night, I just want to pray for my three boys. Why don't you lift up Daniel and Aaron and Stephen? I want to have that pattern because it's going to leave a mark on my life and it's going to mark my world. Paul wrote it this way. Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, he says, From henceforth, from this point forward, let no man trouble me. He said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The New Living Translation says, From now on, don't you trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show that I belong to Jesus. The Greek word that is used in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17 for marks is the word stigma. And stigma is a, is a brand or a mark that is burned into the skin. Stigma in the English language is a mark of disgrace, and it's associated with some particular circumstance or quality. But we understand, we know what a stigma is. 
And we know that a, a negative stigma can impact you and stay with you for life. It's, a, it's, a, it's a what you're known for. It's a defining point of who you are. But if I'm going to have a stigma as a man of God, I want it to be one of faith. If I'm going to if I'm going to be if I'm going to have a stigma I want I want to be known as a person of faith. I, I want to have that pattern and you need to understand that you can be marked by love and you can be marked by by obedience but you can also be marked by faith. I'm talking to some moms, don't give up praying for that child. Make it a pattern, make it a consistent pattern. Let it be a mark upon your life. Let it be a mark upon your soul. Can you find that place to pray. Make it consistent. Go there every day, every morning and well, I just don't see nothing happening. That's not faith. That's not going to create a mark. That's not going to leave a mark. There are going to be children from the Bush family that are going to grow up, and as adults, they're going to remember Mama Bush going to church every Sunday, and somewhere that stigma that some of them might have made fun of or laughed at years ago, it's going to change their life. And now they're going to be in the house of God on a regular, consistent basis, and they're going to begin to have marks of faith upon their life. That's what the church needs to be known for. Those are birthmarks. And some, some birthmarks are negative. Some of them we just want to hide. We just want to hide them away. I don't want to hide my faith from this world. I don't want to hide who I am, but if I, I'm going to be known for anything, I want to be known as a consistent man of faith. The mark of faith doesn't always look good. The, far, the, the mark of faith is certainly, in Scripture at least, not portrayed as a beauty mark. Sometimes it's ugly, sometimes it's grotesque, but true faith will leave a mark. The book of Hebrews, just some Random things through there. Through faith, they overthrew kingdoms. Through faith, they, they wrought righteousness, brought about justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. It was faith that caused them to quench the violence of the fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of their, their, their faith weakness, they were made strong. They were waxed valiant in fight. They turned to flight the armies of aliens. Those women of faith received their dead, raised to life again. Others, because of that faith in their life, were tortured. Others, not accepting deliverance that they could obtain a better resurrection. Some others, were, were they endured trials of cruel markings and, uh, mockings and scourgings. They were placed in bonds and imprisoned. And they were stoned. They were sawn in two. And they were tempted. They were killed with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were tormented. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Those were marks of faith. And I can imagine that people that saw them ridiculed them and made fun of them. Look at those crazy people. Look at those crazy apostolics. Look at those crazy Pentecostals. Are they in church again? Look at that, look at that stupid woman, and she just keeps praying for those kids. Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just get past it? No, 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 no. I got a mark. And you need to understand something. That mark, that, that faith that was placed in your life, that passion for the things of God, it'll make it grow brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter as you exercise it. Mama Bush didn't pray less as she got older. She prayed more. She didn't make the request less as she got older. She made the request more. And I think a great heritage is that some of her family has picked up that request and carried it on. Why? Because that's a mark. It's a mark on that family. What's the mark on Living Hope Church? Do we have a love for one another? Are we marked by love? Do we really care about one another? Are we marked by our obedience? I can't answer that question for you, but are we marked by faith? I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't get to take notes. I'm telling you, it's. I'll show you a picture sometime. You won't believe it. <sighs> Dodged a bullet. I'm telling you, all my cousins got it. It's like, yeah. When they walk up to the ski resort, they say the, the snow machine's over there. It's really bad. 
hope none of my family watches this. You could pick them out of a crowd. But can you be picked out of a crowd because of your love? Can you be drawn out of a crowd for your obedience? Will they draw you out of a crowd and say, that's a man or a woman of faith? They're birthmarks. They're not choices. They're not something we get to choose. They're marks of a child of God. I don't want to be known for whatever. I don't want to be known as all... I want to be known because I love the people of God. And I want to be marked by my obedience. And I want to have a mark of faith upon my life. Brother Henry, that's a legacy. I want my grandchildren one day to come to church and have some mantra that Brother Roberts had and start repeating that thing and pass it down to their children and their children and their children if the Lord tarries and understand those things. Because there really is birthmarks upon the church. I'm born again by an almighty God. And it's my job to demonstrate that love. It's my purpose to obey the word. And I'm going to be the only person in my world that can propagate faith. Not electives, just marks. But I want that mark upon my life. I want that purpose upon my life. Somebody lift a hand with me this morning. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you.